coming up on The Cody Willard Show, the Trump-Putin Summit, a new NASDAQ record, the battle between Amazon's Alexa and Siri, and your questions. Welcome, 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 everybody, to The Cody Willard Show. Live right now, I hope, on Facebook and YouTube, and you can find it every week at tradingwithcody.com. My esteemed colleague, executive producer, Chris McHugh, in the house. Thanks for joining me again, Chris. Let's jump right into the show, man. All right. Hey, let's do it. So, Cody, everybody's talking about that Putin-Trump summit and the press conference this week. He just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. We wouldn't actually spend as much time and effort as we are if we didn't believe that they were still looking at us. From the beginning of his administration, President Trump has actually taken action to defend our election system from meddling and interference. Uh, Surreal uh, is how I worded it in my Trading with Cody post the other day when I talked about it. What's crazy about not just the summit and the surreal uh, press conference uh, where Trump um, you know, has, has clearly sp- spoke in terms that he is now backtracking from, if nothing else. And what I think I'm getting at is it's amazing the reporting, the coverage of that conference. What, what's crazy is all of that mainstream media puts it through a partisan filter. I, you know, I, I was even just listening as I was driving on Sirius XM to all of the CNNs, the CNBCs, the Fox News. I typically don't listen or read or watch. Well, I read everything, but I don't watch partisan news on cable or even old net broadcast networks. But as I was listening to all of it, every conversation was, you could tell, partisan. Every, every reporter was partisan. The, the liberals hated it. The conservatives thought it was fine or were somehow trying to defend Trump's now seemingly indefensible. It's sort of funny if you listen to the conservatives try to defend him and then they end up having to backtrack because Trump backtracked. And that becomes a story in its own right. I keep talking about the fact that it's, what I wanted to say was I was listening to uh, Andrew Cuomo on CNN as I was driving home on something. I heard him talk the last five minutes of his show. And he explicitly said, we've got Republicans and we've got Democrats in this country. And we need them both to come together. And that, that, that. There's not even an acknowledgement of a free thinker, of an independent. And that was the most amazing thing out of that press conference and the summit. And it was surreal. I mean, Trump really blew it. He should have been adamant. He should have been clear that he defends his country, that he believes in the uh, that every law enforcement, every agency, federal agency that investigated this is anybody who's paying attention has seen that Russia is actively doing cyber stuff. They are on Facebook buying ads. There was no doubt that they bought racial tinged ads during the election that were promoting Trump and or Hillary. There was no no doubt that I'm getting every day to this till this very day. Russian agents who have big boob pictures 
asking me to be their friend on Facebook. They're, you just got to acknowledge it. And Trump had to backtrack clearly. He, um, what's also interesting though about how when Trump does a press conference, reads from notes, there, it's clear that there's the formal message that he's reading, that he knows the Washington Post, the New York Times, Fox News, and everyone will quote, including his quote. When he reads off of that one yesterday, or the, was it, yeah, yesterday morning, he had to come back out and, and uh, you know, backtrack. And he reads the papers. But when he's reading those papers, he's speaking to his constituents, who he, his followers, who want to believe that Trump is not a puppet. They want to believe that Trump isn't just another corporate, global regime, Republican, Democrat. They want to believe he's not controlled by a PR message. So he'll read that. And he'll sit there and wink to his constituents and his followers that there's a formal message an informal message that he's still speaking to them. He's not really believing what he's reading. You guys know the truth. He is a, this is what he wants his followers to believe. You, that his followers know the truth, that he is not a global corporatist, new world order, Republican Democrat regimer, which clearly he is. Look at his tax package. Look at everything he focuses on. Look at his tariffs. It's all done for global corporations. There is too much partisan news. There is no free thinking independent news. There's nobody that's going to talk to you about this in a manner that's not shaded by partisanship. I strive every time I talk or write about anything political in this country with Republicans and Democrats reading it. I, I, I strive every time to explicitly highlight that I am anti-partisan, that I am not speaking about Trump because I'm liberal and so therefore I'm immediately going to hate everything Trump does. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm a Trump lover either, or that I'm okay with Republicans at all. I'm not okay with Republicans or Democrats, and neither should you be. And I will tell you that I know, just even at the restaurant on Saturday night after my first The Cody Show, The Cody Willard Show last week talking about this stuff, it's several people from very diverse demographics, rich, white, old people, middle-class, wannabe cowboy people, wealthy Mexican people who talked to me and they were all, hey, I just want you to know, Cody, I'm not really very happy about the Republican Democrat stuff either. I don't want to vote Republican Democrat anymore either. You guys, there is a movement out there. There is a reality. There is a truth of anti-partisanship, but you have to let go of cable news. You have to let go of corporate newspapers from New York Times to Washington Post. You read them all, but know that it's partisan. Know that it is tinged, that nobody on those platforms, if anybody, maybe one or two, 
but almost nobody on those major platforms is even trying to speak truth. All right, what else we got here? We got NASDAQ. That's uh, not as uh, liberal and conservative uh, of a bent, but uh, you know, it hit a new record this week, even with Netflix getting hit 5% after reporting weaker than expected subscriber growth in their earnings. Well, 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 turns out there's a bubble blowing bull market going on in this world right now, especially in the United States. Most developing countries, including China, which the World Trade Organization still considers a developing country. Is that it? That doesn't make any sense. But anyway, from China's stock market to the Mexican stock market to most any other non-US stock market, they're not hitting all-time highs. Even the Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 10% or so from its all-time highs a few months ago. But the technology, are we using technology right now? Yes. And that's what, well, that is why I am such an adamant revolution investor. That is why I always want to try to use new technologies to communicate to the people out there, even going back to the partisan news and the Trump stuff. I've been working with Bob Weir. I just saw Bob Weir last Wednesday night at in Albuquerque. He's on the road. There's some footage I took of the show. Piper, my trusty partner, went with me. Good show, right, Piper? We went backstage during and during the break and hung out with Bob on his bus. And for years, since I left Fox News, actually, Bob and I have talked about trying to figure out how to take technology and create entirely new paradigm of news. And it's still burgeoning. This is what's amazing about the app revolution and the internet revolution is it's always going to be improving. 5G is going to enable new ways of broadcasting live streams and virtual reality and all these other really cool things. And so Bob and I want to figure out how can we create nonpartisan news using technology to change the world? And see, that's why I am a revolution investor. When it comes to my actual money and trying to invest in companies that are going to change the world, you've got to find the companies that are creating that technology that then allows new applications and new news networks and new ways for you and I to rise up and find truth. It all ties in together. And that is why Apple, Google, Facebook, um, Amazon, these things are driving technologies and platforms that all of us are then using to create new revolutions, even societal, political. We, we, we have to embrace all of that. And that includes in your money with your portfolio. I've been along Amazon, Google, Facebook, and Apple specifically for many years, and I have called them repeatedly for many years, the four horsemen of technology. And I always come back to the platforms that they're building that then enables the rest of us in society to do new things and create our own revolutions. Cody, you know, uh, I worked in radio. I started working out in radio and uh, I wasn't working out in radio like I was pumping iron, but I was working in radio, actually. And it was a time in the 90s 
where it was getting sucked into the television world as it pretty much did start to in the 50s. And, uh, you know, as you went on with that, um, you know, you, you think about how that medium changed and went to really talk radio and uh, became the conservative niche. And, you know, people complain right now these days about Fox News, MSNBC, CNBC, and the fact that they have a bent. But that really goes back to the old New York City newspapers where they were all backed by some type of political party. And I always said, as television got sucked into the online world, it'll eventually, the ad dollars will move over online, everything will kind of become the way that it was before. And we are seeing that because it is, we're inundated now with a Google search with the mainstream media publications. Once again, they're at the forefront. And I even remember Google used to have a blog search. I knew that I could go find my niche and this uh, guy that point. was in his basement yeah. or whatnot, and I can't find him anymore. The same thing with the regular search results. But you know, uh, I too was talking to some people um, over drinks this weekend, and they were talking about Joe Rogan. And I've only seen some clips of him. But what everybody was saying that they liked about him is how he was, didn't have this political bent. He was just this common sense guy, and it was in the middle. And it kind of comes back to what you're saying, what we're looking for. And it's so hard right now to find that middle of the road content it is chris and you know you made me think of the old mark twain phrase that history doesn't repeat but it does rhyme and secondly i will say the biggest disappointment of my lifetime i think is that in my mind i still am frankly an optimist that the truth will rise as distribution of content and distribution of news becomes free as you and I are able to sit here and speak truth to power without having to depend on power's dollars. That is a disruption that's never been, uh, that never happened in mankind before. The, the pen has always been mightier than the sword, but the, the pen and the typewriter and creating distri- uh, content that, that could be widely distribu- distributed was impossible until the last 20 years. And I hope that we're still the very beginning of what will be a, a revolution of truth and news and a revolution of truth and, and, and a recognition of propaganda. Um, but we're 20 years into what I would consider 22 years since the start of the internet revolution really turned mainstream. And um, like you said, it's almost like rewinding and rhyming and like mark train would say and rhyming with the past which is a great disappointment but don't give up hope people keep watching online stuff keep questioning mainstream stuff and by the way question means online stuff and watch mainstream stuff you got to consume it all as best you can be objective don't don't ever get sucked into someone else's opinion which is incredibly hard in this day and age when all of your parents and mine are either watching CNN or Fox News and being brainwashed that Republicans are great and Democrats are bad or vice versa. By the way, Republicans and Democrats, all bad. <laughs> and you know what? In our homes right now, I know you have uh, A-L-E-X-A, so I don't trip the keyword with everybody. But back to the mainstream, when you ask A-L-E-X-A, what the weather is or the news or whatnot, you're gonna not going to get that obscure 
blog, that's just another way that the company uh, who, for whatever device you're using, is being a gatekeeper and selecting what they want to serve up to you. And then the little guy is certainly left out. And that that really segues into uh, what I know that you had on the agenda, which was Alexa, Google Assistant, Siri, uh, Cody, um, which you've been saying Alexa is the biggest existential threat to Apple. Um, You want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, this is all sort of the same theme we're hitting on today, where technology companies are creating platforms that then we can revolutionize the world upon. And the voice revolution is yet another one. It is as important as the app revolution or as the internet revolution, because the ability to communicate as human beings typically do using voice with our online digital mass internet world is yeah i mean it just it, it fast forwards our ability to create do new things learn a hundredfold stepping uh, sidestepping your cor- correct recognition that there is a gatekeeper problem still and there will be forever as long as we're using any platform that's built by a company whether it's alexa or siri or google assistant I know you don't. Um, She will, though. And that's what's amazing, is that we are right now truly, maybe the first 20 years of the Internet revolution is still the very third or fourth inning. But in the voice revolution, we're in the first out of the first inning. Maybe third out of the first inning. But the point being that going back to how Alexa is actually the biggest existential threat to Apple is that Apple is already seeding. <laughs> Apple is already seeding the the voice revolution and this whole new paradigm of us interacting with the internet and each other to Amazon A L E X A and Google Assistant. As you look at the developers around the world, you even just go on Amazon Prime Day yesterday and. There's nobody that's selling products that says Siri enabled. There are hundreds of thousands of products that say Alexa enabled. And that is something that Apple is really going to have to fix quickly, or they are going to end up being just like Microsoft was in the smartphone wars. You can have one or two maybe three major platforms that all of the developers of the world will create their new applications and new cool things like Alexa, turn off Cody's office stereo. I was behind it, just turned it off. That's a plugin, a little Wi-Fi outlet that connects to the Wi-Fi and Alexa controls. Siri can't do that. Hey, Siri. Do something valuable for me once. I don't even know what to ask Siri to do. Hey, Siri, put something on my calendar. I don't even know if it'll do that. I know Alexa will. That stuff is happening right now. And if Apple doesn't fix it, they are doomed to miss out. Do something valuable for me I don't even know what to ask Siri to do. Hey, Siri, put something on my calendar. Take a look. 
That's really helpful, Siri. Thanks. I, I think she, she, she got a little crap. upset with you, I think. I'm upset with her. I would I, I would appreciate it if, elect, if Siri would actually yell at me at some point. Well, that's what I was anyway. talking about. You know, it's like, hey, you put something on the list, Alexa. And she's like, do you really need to eat that much? <laughs> Fatty. So, um, you know what? You were talking about what inning are we in? And radio had about 30 years till television. Television had about, let me see, 40, 40 years. Wouldn't it be interesting if we were halfway through already? You know, though, Chris, the Internet time makes everything move faster. So every revolution and old cycles, even like um, commodity cycles, um, Jim, I can't think of his name, George Soros's old partner, used to come on my show all the time, Jim Rogers, used to talk about how commodity cycles typically last 20 or 30 years. And I've been talking for the last 20 years that he's wrong because the internet changed old world cycles. And so it happens, things happen 10 times or a hundred times faster than they ever did before. But yes, it, maybe I'm wrong on that too. Maybe the internet revolution is going to last a hundred years. Thousand years. It's like the pyramids. Cisco routers is the modern day equivalent of the great pyramids. All right, Chris, let's, what let's jump on next okay what have we got here oh just it's the big question everybody's been asking you is it too late to find new 10 baggers stocks that go up a thousand percent cody please please cody need new ideas must get rich soon <laughs> no look yeah no it's not too late it's never too late there are always new companies there are always companies that have been crushed that you should be buying there are always revolutions about to set into place that you could ride for 10 or 20 years like i've done with apple or google or facebook for eight years or amazon for years and sony for years and you can find stocks i've got a a, a great portfolio at trading with cody that's full of stocks that have gone up two, five, 10, 15, or even Apple going up 180 times or uh, Bitcoin going up 80 times since I bought it. There's more. We can find the next ones. We've got to keep doing homework. But that being said, we have to recognize how hard it is to do that. Like 99% of the hedge fund managers on the planet can't do that. 80% of Wall Street is marketing you a product. That's all it is. It's an infrastructure, much of which has been built upon Republican Democrat laws that force regulations like 401ks and IRAs and tax deductions. And you can have long-term gains and no short-term gains and all that bullshit, BS. You get emotional when I think about the redistribution of wealth that happens through the tax code when you tax poor people a lot more than rich people. And then you pretend that poor people are on welfare when it's the rich people and the giant corporations that are using welfare and programs to protect themselves. I forgot the question, Chris. 10 baggers, baby. Oh, 
Yeah, let's think about something exciting, not angry. Um, it is tough to find 10 baggers, but they're out there, and I'm looking every day for the next one. What I talked about yesterday when I got this question on trading with Cody was that you have any idea how many times from, from 2012 to 2017 that I analyzed Under Armour, the stock, UA or UAA are the symbols, depending on whether you want A-class or C-class shares. doesn't matter which one you buy. They're both going to go up with value if Under Armour does okay. But I analyzed that stock for five years, and every time, like, I love the, I, the fact that they're a stealth wearable play. They're a stealth revolution technology company painting themselves as a retail athletic wear company. Under Armour spent billions buying app companies. And the whole time, Under Armour was at 30 or 40 or $50, and it was trading at like 8 or 10 or 15 times sales. And even though I liked the company, the opportunity wasn't there. So I look at that stock over and over and over, and then finally it drops to $10 a share last year. And now I'm excited about it. And there are other stocks that are doing that right now that I'm waiting to drop another 30 or 40 or 50%. And if they do, I'll be excited to buy them. But I can't force it. I can't just say, hey, every day, here's the stocks I think you should be buying right now that could go up a thousand percent. Yes, I own stocks that I still think, like even Amazon. I think Amazon could go up another 500 percent. It could be a $4 trillion market cap. So there you go. There's one. People are like, is it Amazon's already gone up 10,000% or something since 1999, even from its top before the crash in the year 2000. Amazon's up many fold from those levels. I think it could go up many fold more. Hey, you know what? We do Cody's mailbag here. And last week I had said that Cody did something silly where he, uh, you know, types it up and then mails it to me and then I read it. So I was having an argument with a friend this week and he's like, oh, the price of the stamps are uh, too much. And I said, well, you know what? Then do it yourself. So I had him drive all the way to New Mexico to Cody's house, gas, rest areas, food he's paying for. You let him stop at rest areas? I thought you were going to make him wear diapers. What are you doing here? You like that astronaut lady. And then. Good catch. I was referencing their astronaut thank lady. Thank you. Cody wouldn't even let this person stay at his house. They had to stay at some Knights Inn or some Red Roof Inn or something like that. Anyways, drove all the way back. Days, days, we finally get your mailbag here. Question number one, Cody Do you have any interest in buying Broadcom after a huge drop related uh, to its acquisition of CA? No, in no way, shape, or form do I have any interest in ever owning AVGO, Broadcom, whatever, AVGO, whatever you want to call it. For many years, I almost wanted to own Broadcom. But the fact of the matter is, when they, wanted to, when they said they were going out here to buy, you remember that they got blocked from buying Qualcomm. And now they're out there buying Computer Associates, which is not a chip company. I mean, it's not, it has nothing to do with Broadcom. 
meanwhile, the Broadcom shorts for years, the Avgo shorts, the guys who bet against Avgo, have been saying that Avgo looks like a evil roll-up. Doesn't have real fundamentals. Unless they keep rolling up new companies constantly, they're going to start missing their numbers. I've seen a lot of companies over the years that are pure roll-ups. And one of the first lessons I had on Wall Street, working for the great late Andrew Lanier, was you don't want to buy those roll-ups. He bought some of those roll-ups, and that's how I learned the lesson. Uh, Snyder Communications is one. He sold his to another roll-up um, in order for him to, Dan Snyder, to buy the Washington Redskins. The roll-up that bought his roll-up got crushed. Roll-ups typically do get crushed. You don't want companies that exist to roll up other companies. It's a financial gimmickry game, and it doesn't usually work out for shareholders because the guys who are doing the financial gimmicks probably don't have your best interests at heart. Probably doing CYA and trying to get really rich off your pockets. So stay away from Avco. If anything, that Computer Associates acquisition I think proves out that the shorts have been right the whole time, that there's something not cool going on at Avco. I would avoid it. All right, Cody, got another great one here. I have approximately 4% in gold miners ETF, and I'm approximately break even. I'm ready to throw in the towel and sell it. Should I treat it as a contrarian indicator? I'm holding the position for about three years now, they say. Uh, and he says, finally, or she, uh, if I'm to sell, should I put money aside to money market or invest in some particular stock right away? Number one, no, you should never just sell something in order to buy something else right away. If there's something that you should be investing in right now, you should be investing in it. You shouldn't have to sell something else in order to invest that money. You got to have a bigger term picture than that. Think out over the next 10,000 days, the next 30 days of your year, 30, year, 30 years of your life, and try to maximize risk-reward over that time frame. And that would never entail selling something immediately, having to buy something else with that money or something. Now, gold. What's gold? Are you talking about Bitcoin, I assume? I don't gold? know. Gold. Gold. AU? I don't know what this gold is. You talking about the shiny metal stuff? Nobody talks about shiny metal gold. Oh my God, gold. Piper, you? Gold? Gold. Piper does actually buy gold. I'm William Devane. Hi, I'm William Devane. There are dangerous forces everywhere pulling our country apart, threatening our economy and our way of life. That's why I'm going to do two things support our military and buy gold. The, the point I'm trying to make is nobody's buying gold right now. And then nobody even cares about gold right now. Everybody loves Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies right now, and everybody wants to talk about crypto miners. So I like the fact that this question is actually about gold and gold miners. Now, I don't like gold mining stocks. I never have. If I'm going to buy a gold stock, gold's down, two bucks, 1200 thank you, Piper. It, the gold miners, you have to go, if you want to invest in a gold miner, you need to go meet the management. You need to go see the company. You need to see their mines or don't. If you want to invest in gold, buy gold. Okay. Now, 
beyond that, occasionally you can buy the GDX, which is a, an ETF made up of a lot of gold miner stocks. And that is a, often in the short term, say over three days to six month timeframes, a very high beta, highly volatile representation of the gold market market itself. So if the price of gold goes from 1250 to 1450 and it goes up, what is that, 18% or something, gold miners will go up 30 or 40 or 50%. But when gold drops from 1350 to 1200 the gold miners will drop 30 40 or 50% too. So, look, if like I am right now, starting to get bullish on gold itself as a trade. Not that I'm going to personally make any big trades in gold or something, but I own gold coins for the long term. But I might even consider gold as a good trade here. If it gets below 1200 in the next few months, I think buying gold as a trade would be good in addition to just investing in a little bit of gold for the long term. Cody. I love the game Asteroids, and I love Platinum, which brings me to a great viewer question here. What's your opinion on investing in asteroid mining? I know it's a gamble, but would you classify it as the same thing as investing in Bitcoin when you invested in Bitcoin the first time? Um, it's an interesting question because, yes, I absolutely believe in the ability for people to mine asteroids. I mentioned and when I got this question yesterday on trading with Cody that a few months ago, Goldman Sachs did a report that said the first trillionaire to exist on this planet would be an asteroid miner who would own an asteroid mining company. And yeah, I, there's gold in them asteroids. Alexa, play Pink Floyd, Gold in the Hills. Alexa, please don't. We're going to have a copyright deal with YouTube. Oh, yeah. Don't do it, Alexa. Darn it, that's a good song, though. Very undiscovered Pink Floyd tune, one of my favorites. At any rate, um, there's gold in them, asteroids, and there is oil, and there is platinum, and there are... Lots of water, I hear. All kinds of stuff that we're going to need to run driverless cars in the next 50, 100, 300 years. Hair dryers. Air conditioners. You mean that they're but already the there in the asteroids and I just have to take them out? The air dryers are in the asteroids. Just waiting for <laughs> this you. This is great. Outlets and everything. Oh, man. Driverless hair dryers. Good one, Piper. <laughs> Piper um, score. The, uh, the, 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 for a retail investor to be able to profit and invest successfully in asteroid mining in the year 2018 is impossible. It has nothing to do with like I did buying Bitcoins as a retail investor five or six years ago at 100. You could have done that. Neither one of us can go invest in an asteroid company that's actually mining asteroids right now. So, no, don't try to invest in asteroid mining right now. Yes, in 10 or 20, 50 years when asteroid mining companies exist then we yeah go to trainwithcody.com in the year 2058 and i'll probably have two or three asteroid mining companies in my portfolio hopefully all of which went up a thousand percent you know what it got a little 
kooky there on that segment. I apologize. Uh, and certainly my friends at the Yacht Club will uh, convey their distaste to me this weekend about that. So we want to apologize to ever. upset the boys at the Yacht Club. However, uh, it's, it's not getting any more straight-laced here because the next question, the final question that we have in Cody's mailbag is, and you know what, uh, the last episode we did, I totally edited out all the voices that I did, but this one warrants it, I feel like. And the question is, Cody, dude, what's the first concert you ever went to, bro? Hey, it's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, first concert ever. Pyro, what's the first concert you ever went to? Pat Benatar, Love is a Battlefield. Pat Benatar, Love is a Battlefield. I'm guessing 88? What were you, 14, 13? Oh, gosh, it was like, yeah, 10. Yeah. Your dad took you. Yeah. First concert I ever was going to go was Kiss concert with my parents when I was like eight. My dad was going to take my brother and me to Kiss concert. At least that's what they tell us. I'm not even sure if that's true because we didn't end up going supposedly because my brother got osteomyelitis in his heel, so we didn't get to see Kiss. But I'm not even no one. I don't know that my dad could have could have even walked into a Kiss concert. I just think he was wired like that. He had he Two had kids what now osteo osteomyelitis. Osteomyelitis. It's a uh, infection of the bone. Oh. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, he was playing football or something and got cut and deep and it got whatever. Well, Boy, I, he's oh, fine. He 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 went yeah. on to play high school football or all this. You know, he's, I, I bring it up be, because, because they did. I bring it up because what? they did a study and it, it turns out that the blood from Gene Simmons' mouth actually cures that. So had he gone to the counselor in the front row, everything would have been fine. Ironically, I actually had a I. I Got late, many years later, 25 years later, I was front row and backstage with Kiss at a Kiss Aerosmith concert in New York City. And uh, someone gave me the blood rag that Gene had used to wipe the blood up that night. They gave it to me in a plastic bag. And I had that bag. Never thought about curing diseases with it. But uh, an ex-girlfriend did accidentally throw it out when she was cleaning my closet once. First concert I went to Pavement, leave, 1990. Leave 1990. it to you to have a bloody bag in your closet when you're dating somebody. Anyway, back to Pavement. <laughs> you can see why she threw it out. I should have written, kiss, please keep Gene Simmons. I, not that, that I care. That's that why much. they have the little label. You use the Sharpie and you can keep yeah, your blood bag. I blew it. I blew it. The blood, Gene Simmons blood bag. Get a clone Gene Simmons. I don't have to like Piper again, man. He's like yeah, on Piper's a roll on, today. That's why we keep Piper around. Gosh, man. Rocking oh. it. Who else is rocking it was Pavement, though. Pavement. 1993. I didn't go to a concert until I was like 21 years old. Um, and uh, I, I just, I was so focused on playing hoops, being a basketball wannabe. And my, again, my dad, my parents were not exactly concert-going types. So Pavement. Um I can't even think of the lead singer's name now, but uh, anyway, I, I've enjoyed Pavement ever since. Uh, it's a great concert. It's in a tiny little venue in Albuquerque, like probably 30 people in the whole show. And I've probably been to, I'm guessing, 200 concerts in my life since then. And that was one of the best. It was a good one. Thanks so much. That is the Cody Willard Show. That is, thank you to my Co, my executive producer. Can I be co-executive producer with you, Chris? 
you can be whatever you want. I was going to be your uh, producing stylist just for this episode, though. I don't want it to be continual. I might start referencing you often as my producing stylist. Um, at any rate, my co-executive producer, co-chief executive producer, Chris McHugh, thanks. Piper, my main man, partner over here, business partner. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Peace, love, and happiness. Oh.